Welcome to the NS North podcast. My name is Philip Kaskrain, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Dan Byers. How are you, Dan? I'm well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm pretty good, because joining us tonight is speaker Namrata Bandikar. How are you, Nam? Hi. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us for this podcast, and thanks for coming to NS North this spring. Uh, how do you feel about uh, uh, coming to Montreal? Oh, I'm really excited. Um since I just moved from Canada to the Bay Area, and uh, it would be nice to be back again. And uh, I've actually attended NS North before when you, uh, in 2016, when you were in Toronto. <laughs> it would be really nice to meet everyone again. Uh, hopefully, I'll see some familiar faces there. Yeah, that'd be excellent. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> and I quite enjoyed it last year, uh, uh, sorry, in 2016, because uh, uh, I liked the aspect of the conference that you had talks that were not just focused on uh, code or tech, but also other aspects. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, this year, uh, now we, we've had a little bit of a hiatus. So you're coming back and you're coming back as a speaker. And uh, what have you been doing in these years uh, in between uh, 2016 and 2019? So um, I've been uh, quite busy with writing a book. Last year, uh, I spent quite, quite a lot of time co-authoring this book on ARKit. Uh, with a few other uh, fellow authors from the blog RayVenderLick.com. Um, and uh, I was also actually tech editing another Android book. So it's been quite a busy year. Yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah. Um, and uh, apart from that, just moving from Toronto to here and you know, settling into a new place <laughs> was also quite the experience. Cool. How, how long were you in Toronto for? I lived there for uh, about seven years, and before that, I lived in Waterloo for two years. And so, yeah, so you're doing the book and doing tech editing for uh, uh, Ray Wenderlich's association there, um, or organization, I should say. Now, that's all in your spare time, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and what's your what's your main day job then? So I work as a principal software engineer at Zynga, uh, the gaming company, if yeah, you yeah, have heard sure. of it. <laughs> yeah. They're huge. Hopefully people, yeah, hopefully people haven't forgotten about them <laughs> So yeah, they were behind Farmville, the pretty notorious game on Facebook. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, now more recently, Words with Friends is pretty popular. And I have to say, even I got addicted to those games. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I've been working in uh, their central tech team, uh, which basically provides packages or SDKs to the, the other game teams so that they can get up and running quickly. Oh, so I see. The SDKs yeah. do uh, to, to talk to internal servers or to... Uh... Yeah, so uh, they like some of them do talk to internal servers and uh, uh, the SDKs are for common features that games have, like chat or push notifications and guilds, for example, uh, that it's probably not good for every game to like, uh, to write it every time. Right. Roll so, their own is not a really a good thing if you have all, this, all yeah. of this infrastructure that you need to leverage. Yeah, yeah. 
And we also uh, take care of the, we maintain the backend services and build any new features that they might need. So, Is that a fairly large team? Oh, yeah. It is a pretty big team. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of technologies are you using these days? Yeah, so uh, I'm working more on the client side uh, of package development, and I'm working with C Sharp and Unity and more recently C++. Very good. And um, so the so you don't have to touch Android or iOS uh, all that often then? No, not directly. Uh, it helps to know about those platforms, about a few details, because um, ultimately we are developing these packages so that they can work on these devices. Obviously, Unity, you know, uh, it, it drives every game imaginable these days. Uh the uh that's a pretty common common thing to see i guess yep yeah and c sharp there's a lot of business logic that's being written in c sharp for uh, various reasons so it's a very common platform for that as well yeah and so how did you get involved with uh, ray wenderlich so um when i graduated from from waterloo um I started at this really uh, small startup called Fixmo, and uh, I joined as a mobile developer. And I was their first mobile developer in-house at that time. Oh, they wow. were Yeah, they were just outsourcing all the code, code to another uh, contracting business. Uh, so, yeah, so I started... Looking, I started searching for resources on the internet to learn iOS development and it came across Raywender like the blog and I found those tutorials super useful. Of course, Apple's developer documentation was also good, but uh, I think the way uh, the tutorials put it was much easier to grasp at that time. So there is such a fantastic resource. They've done such a great job with that site. One thing that I really like about Ray Wenderlich is that they keep their tutorials up to date so that uh, when the Swift language evolves, uh, the tutorials evolve with them. They archive the old ones and they make the new ones available. So you can still see the old ones if you want to, but normally you want all the latest ones. Compared to Apple's sample code, which some of it just plain doesn't work because it says, this is Swift 2. You can't do anything with this in Xcode 10. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in <laughs> fact, I had to also update my book uh, on ARKit because they came up with ARKit 2.0 last year. So, Oh, right. Do you find that you uh, that uh, uh, Google's uh, answer to ARKit, I forget what it's called, that, that do you use it or, or write tutorials about it? Uh, it's Yeah, it's ARCore as far as I remember. Right, ARCore. Uh, I haven't really uh, directly worked with it, but I've, I've seen videos and uh, other articles about it, and it seems like they have a similar set of features, uh, similar to ARKit, so yeah. Hmm. So, so you're learning mobile development, iOS pr predominantly, I guess, or prim primarily? Yeah. And uh, came across his website, and, and what, happened, what happened after that? Yeah, so then um, after a few years, I think, um, so at that time I was the mobile developer. So I was also working on Android development. And after about three years or so, I saw that Revenger Lake had a open call for Android authors. Um, 
And at that time, I was primarily working on Android, and I decided to apply for it also because I wanted to uh, write a blog, and uh, I thought it would be too much of a commitment to start my own blog because you need to be posting regularly, and I didn't have that kind of time. Um, yeah, apart from my day job. So then I just decided to apply for this because I I really uh, liked the tutorials that they had for iOS and it, it had helped me when I was trying to learn. So that's how I got involved. With, yeah, just I, yeah. I guess a way to give back, right? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's a little bit the philosophy that we have with this conference as well. Is we got so much out of conferences we went to before that we feel we want to get back, give back a little bit, and uh, and get some people the the uh, the experience of going to a conference that we hope is well run. Yeah, yeah, and uh, apart from that, I found that by writing tutorials, it also helped me learn those concepts. Uh, like maybe there is a new feature uh, or new framework uh, that was released in Android and. It also helped me uh, get a grasp of those concepts. That's that's very true, right? Yeah, like it kind of forces you to to go pretty pretty deep on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you may remember Janie Clayton from NS North 2016. That's that's a little bit of the thing that she's doing is she's writing books about things so that she can uh, uh, also uh, also understand them better, and it is something that she's been saying. So uh, it's a, it seems to be a, a common pattern amongst people that can actually write stuff. <laughs> you know, not just to uh, follow along or there's also a lot of YouTube videos, but I found those a little bit less compelling because you kind of have to follow at exactly the same speed or you pause them a lot. But writing, you can just skip around where you want to go. And it's a really good thing to remember because you can Google for them a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it also helps me uh, put my thought process in a very like... Um, uh, in a way that uh, would help someone else. Like I have to also think about how to go about writing it in a way that someone else could understand it better. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. The act of explaining something makes you understand it better. That's that's totally just even writing documentation about something, even for an internal use, will make a big difference. Yeah, definitely. So how uh, so you're working on the tutorials for that, and uh, then you got involved in doing your book. Can you kind of give a an outline on how that got started? Yeah. So um, so after working on Android for about three years um, in the first startup I worked at, I joined another three person startup. This time, a much smaller company. And I was the only mobile developer there. And I started working on iOS and I saw that, uh, you know, it's so much less friction using Apple's developer tools <laughs> as compared to the Android tools that we had at that time. And I was actually using Eclipse at that time. Oh, uh, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also there was a lot less fragmentation. So a lot fewer... Uh, you know, test uh, devices to test on. Yeah, that's so, becoming less true these days, though. <laughs> that is true. But it's still better than Android. Like, you don't even know what all phones Android is running on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and Android Studio is is, a, is 
miles better than Eclipse for the kind of thing that you want to do for mobile. Oh yeah, definitely. They've improved it quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, so uh, after I uh, got to explore the world of iOS, I completely switched over to iOS. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I started, um, you know, participating more in the iOS team. Um, so I tried to look for opportunities in uh, Rayvender Lake uh, site where I could contribute to some of the iOS uh, work that they're doing. And uh, at that time, Ray announced that we would be writing a book on ARKit. And I volunteered for it also because it was kind of an interesting technology, something I think would be pretty popular in the future. So was that whenever ARKit was first announced? Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely uh, right after it was announced in WWDC. And after that, it took us about a year to write the book because um, just coming up with the projects that we would use. Um, yeah. So it was quite a process getting every um, all the chapters in place because there were a lot of features that they introduced and and how big was the team that you were working with on that one so there are four authors for that book and there were two tech editors uh oh sorry three tech editors and one final pass editor wow so about eight people plus there's a few two editors that also go um, and see that it, everything's gr grammatically correct in the chapters and everything. So, yeah, I would say 10 in all. That's incredible. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of people <laughs> to make yeah. <laughs> So during your day job, you, you, you write code for a living. So how does that compare to writing a book? There's, there's a bunch of back-and-forth communication that has to happen in a team. How does it compare? Right. So uh, in terms of the communication, I found the process pretty great with Raywender because like, they've done it so many times before that they know, um, you know, how to structure, uh, how to go about writing the book. So first you come up with an outline for the book um, and think about how, uh, what in what sequence would you present what feature, uh, what concepts of ARKit and then uh, once you have the outline, you would basically assign a few chapters to every author. And then uh, from there on, it, it's pretty uh, standard. It's the same process as writing a tutorial. So each chapter is like a tutorial. Uh, so you would go about conceptualizing a sample app that would work for that chapter. And then once uh, you think that's ready, then you would go about writing the chapter and like shaping it and actually uh, adding content to it. So uh, I think it's a bit different from writing. Um, I mean, it is a mini app in in a way that you write for each chapter. Right. Uh, so. Uh, in terms of communication, because we have like everything set in Trello, we have the different uh, stages of a chapter as well. The sample app, then the the actual uh, content and everything. Uh, 
uh, done. So that would be uh, the writing phase. And then the tech edit, which is once everything's written, the tech editor would go and, you know, um, make sure everything's technically correct and everything's compiling and working fine uh, and working with the latest version of iOS and... And Xcode, obviously. Yeah, and Xcode and everything. And then, I mean, by the time it gets to the final pass editor, maybe there's another release of, you know... (laughs) something changed and in fact it happened that ARKid 1.5 came out so we had to update a few chapters thankfully they weren't mine so (laughs) yeah Yeah, no kidding oh boy so so So, you were you were involved for pretty much that entire year relatively steady too like uh or were you able to take a break and kind (laughs) of relax a bit yeah so it is kind of hard because you're doing all of this in your spare time. So it has to like, yeah, you have to take out time on weekends and sometimes you might not have that time. So that's why it took so long for everyone to, you know, because it it has to also work again, uh, like across all the team schedule. So that's why it took us so long to release the first uh, edition. Uh, but then we came up with the update pretty quickly after that. Yeah, I'm sure it's quite the process, man. Oh man, oh man. Especially yeah. with four people working on it too, with like like four core authors. You know, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. lot, 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 lot of lot of wheels spinning there. Yeah. So when you're not uh, writing code or writing books, uh, what do you do in your spare time? Which you seem to have very little of now that I think about it. No, no, actually, I try to uh, keep some time aside. So there you go. Um, we are pretty strict. Like my husband's pretty strict about this. Um, we have a separate personal laptop and a separate work laptop. So as soon as we get home, we are not touching our work laptops. So and we don't have any work on our personal laptops except for my personal work, I guess, which is all the books and everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's still something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, recently I've been trying to explore scuba diving and it's really fun. And um, in fact, um, I didn't even know how to swim until two years ago. So, wow. And I really wanted to scuba dive. So I actually learned swimming just to do that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good and, for you. <laughs> but I'm I'm really glad I did it cuz uh it's been uh, an experience actually uh, and it's like seeing the life underwater is it's a really different world. It totally is. So are you a uh, Paddy certified now? Yeah, yeah. So I did my Congratulations. Yeah, I did my advanced open water as well. Uh, I still have some anxiety, but actually, you know, diving helps me control the anxiety as well. Do you do any special trips for diving or you you probably don't dive around Toronto or Waterloo or the Bay Area? No. So uh, actually, I'm going to be doing my dry suit certification so that I can dive around here. So there is this place called Monterey Bay, which is a marine uh, kind of a national park kind of but it's a marine preserve yeah marine preserve yeah and my husband goes there every weekend and he really wants me to come so (laughs) oh that's so neat yeah i'm not very comfortable in cold water and that's why i'll be doing the dry suit certification 
yeah, that's that's uh, there's so many levels of different kinds of certification for these. Uh, but what's your favorite place to dive then? What's, what was your favorite dive? Yeah, so yeah, definitely it's very technical, as you said. Um, my favorite was when I first got my certification and I did that in India, actually, of all the places. I really didn't think it would be that great because, you know, as I know, India, it's kind of polluted. But uh, the place where we went, it's called Andaman and Nicobar Islands. And it's really far. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, it's really far from the mainland. It's about a three-hour flight from the mainland. and It's closer to, say, Thailand and, uh, and Malaysia. And um, uh, there we went on a deep dive. I think the site was called Johnny's Cove, and it was amazing. I have never seen something like that before. Like, It's a different thing seeing it on TV and actually experiencing it is... You, like the moment we dove, uh, it was a deep dive and it was about 90 feet Whoa. down. Yeah, and it was my first deep dive. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even Google, you know, what what it looks like. Because <laughs> I, I always had this thing that, oh my God, the water is going to be super polluted or whatever. But it was quite the opposite. It was so clear and we saw... Uh, three or four sharks uh, on that dive and there were thousands of fish it was just like you know so many fish and uh, so many different kinds of fish as well uh, so it was a pretty humbling experience for me <laughs> yeah that's so cool oh my goodness. <laughs> also it was a deep dive so you had to come back in stages right you come back up in stages you have to wait so you have to calculate all these times. Right. So we have a pretty good dive computer. So uh, that's one thing that you should definitely invest in if you're thinking of diving. Um, so the, the dive computer calculates everything for you. So as you're coming up, it even tells you if you're going too fast, if you're ascending too fast. Oh, wow. And it tells you at what depth to do the safety stop and everything. We didn't really have to do any deco stop because we didn't exceed the NDL, which is the no decompression limit. Uh, I guess you die, right? Because you seem to know a bit about this. Oh, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not certified. I went to places. I, I, I do a lot of um, just um, uh, free diving. Um, oh. And... Um, I've been to places where they don't look. If you if you look like you know what you're doing, they'll let you dive. So, okay. But I never was able to get the certification. Yeah. Uh, I've I've done a little bit of cave diving too, so that's oh. why it's uh, it's very it's very fun. Yeah. Yeah, cave diving is a, a totally different. I don't know. I, I think yeah. you need like a separate certification for that too, because there's so many things that can go wrong in cave diving. Well, I went. I went with an instructor, and uh, and at at one point he just he just let me let me go. He's like, oh yeah, because they have to hold you by the arm, uh, because you're not certified, right? Oh. And at one point he just let me go because I had when I came back I had more air than he did. So oh like, wow oh okay <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's good yeah. But I, I'm amazed I'm amazed that uh, in two years you went from from no swimming to getting ready for dry suit. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, actually, diving doesn't really need that much swimming. It's only at the surface, and you actually have the BCD on, which is inflated, so uh, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, and we we definitely have done some diving trips after that to Hawaii. That was also pretty nice. Oh, lucky, beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, w w with regards to that dive computer you mentioned, like is that just like a thing you wear on your wrist or...? 
yeah definitely uh, it's uh, just like you know your apple watch just it, it's bigger though uh, and uh, we have this one called shearwater it's an uh, it's a canadian company nice um and it's really good it's uh it's supposed to be a really good computer um <laughs> yeah and it calculates everything so you can even go on um multiple dives in a day and it'll calculate how long you have to wait between the dives for the nitrogen to come out of your tissues and everything so you don't get yeah you don't get decompression sickness and everything does it also have the function of a, of a, you can't go on a plane until this much time yeah yeah it does um i mean that's normally um, you don't go uh, for about 18 to 24 hours after you've you've been diving multiple times you don't fly f after uh, 18 to 24 hours is when you can oh fly. wow really yeah. yeah so there is also like altitude diving so i don't know all the rule like all the science behind that like how much you can dive over there because if you're at an altitude it's uh, hard to you know get rid of the nitrogen in your tissues and that's why you can get the bends if you just take the plane after you've you dove for an hour or something like that so right because the nitrogen is trying to get out but it can't it's, it gets stuck in your joints yeah 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 there's a lot of risks associated with diving but if you follow the rules and you know it's a really great experience just just relax on the beach and have a beer that's that's the best way of just getting over and getting yeah. the nitrogen out <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Actually, just just to circle back a little bit on your book that that you you contributed to, what was like the what were a couple of the technical aspects of AR Kit that you liked to that, that you liked the most, or that you wrote about? Yeah, so I actually really like the one about sharing experiences. Uh, so you can have a multi-user or multiplayer experience uh, with the same. AR, AR scene so two people or multiple pe people can see at the same time what you're doing and I, I, f I think that that's going to be super useful in the future like the block block and and uh, and slingshot demo that they had at WWDC this is the source code you can get from Apple as well right yeah yeah there's one AR table and everybody around the table either plays the game or watches the game on their iPad yeah and that that's that's a lot of fun I did I, I was able to try that yeah that's neat very cool so that that's that was one of the topics that you contributed to for your for the book there yeah yeah i did uh so when we came up with the update in the november um i actually wrote a separate app for that so i was thinking if i could build upon my previous app that i had written for the chapters that uh i'd written when we were writing for ar kit 1.0 but uh, i think it was just to go with a, a separate app for that nice nice very good yeah huh. and you say also on your profile here that you like to go hiking with your dog what, what kind of a dog do you have yeah i have a border collie and labrador mix so pretty energetic and she loves hiking oh nice yeah. yeah and we have a lot of nice trails around here in the bay area there's a lot of hills so Thank you very much for joining us tonight, Namreta. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we look forward to seeing you in Montreal at the end of April. Yeah, I'm excited to attend again for my, for the second time, but as a speaker this time. <laughs> 
if you want to meet Namrata and all our other speakers and attendees, you simply go to nsnorth.ca, get all the details, and look for the tickets uh, and uh, purchase one. And we'll see you in Montreal from April 26th to the 28th, 2019.